This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 92. Can I put a lump sum into a policy? Part 1. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious. Be stable. Be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Not Your Average Financial Podcast. Uh, We've got some fun content, as always, to get into and help us think through together to think different about your money. So I'm Mark Willis, one of your co-hosts, and here in the studio today is Holly Buck. Welcome, Holly. Thank you, Mark. Welcome, everyone. So, you know, we get a lot of questions from our listeners and our uh, even our clients. One of the questions that come up pretty often is whether or not you can put in a large amount of premium into a bank on yourself policy to help boost or supercharge the growth. Uh, the answer, of course, is yes, you can. And uh, we talked about that in a previous episode, and it gives you some big advantages that allow you to have immediate access to a sum of cash right away, beginning your work. Uh, in the policy to help grow that money in a systematic and predictable schedule. And it even gives you a big choice uh, variety, sort of a buffet of choices for use of the money. So there, we kind of boiled it down. We tried to get it down to as little as possible here, but we do, we do think that there's at least six major reasons why people might put lump sums into bank on yourself policies. See if any of these six scenarios make sense to you or relate to your situation. Number one, we're looking at ways to pay off our debt. We need to uh, debt consolidate or even use the uh, debt snowbank method as we've talked about before, sort of buying back your debt. Uh, Situation two, a better place for your safe money to live. Uh, Situation three, an instant inheritance and a place to protect you from the expenses of long-term care. Uh, Number four, a capital fund for expenses or investments, like if you've uh, got some real estate investing or in your business, for example. Number five, a holding place for possible future expected inheritance or lump sums, for example, or the sale of your business. And then number six, a funding a college education without sacrificing your own retirement savings. So that's a lot. So we decided to cut that into two episodes. So we, this is part one today, but we are going to get into the first three in this episode. We'll save the next three for part two. So wait uh, with bated breath for next week. Okay, so our cash value life insurance policies give you control over your investment. Uh, It also allows you some access to that cash value for emergencies, retirement, or other opportunities. One way to tap into your cash, of course, is through the policy loan feature on these policies. So that's where you can usually access roughly 90% of your policy's cash value. And that will, of course, reduce what you can still access. Literally, you can't borrow the same dollar twice but you do have the option to repay that loan to get that money back up again, kind of recycling the money back into the policy. So with these bank on yourself policies, we typically design it with a ton more cash value than traditional old fashioned whole life insurance so that when you can borrow from the policy is much sooner and you've got a lot more money in there to borrow. And of course, one of the key features to this whole strategy is that the policy, the cash value will continue to grow as if you never touched the money. So there are typically two designs, right, for people who have lump sums. When it comes down, now this is for the engineer. So if you're not an engineer, just kind of skip past a few like seconds here. But Holly, you've got (laughs) some really valuable stuff on how we design these 
for lump sums. How do we do this? Yeah, so when we have someone who kind of comes to us with a lump sum, um, you know, we're looking at, again, their situation, what they're hoping to accomplish, what they're needing it for um, to kind of help us figure out what's going to be the best way to actually design and put their put their policy together. Um, so if a client comes to us, they have a lump sum and they don't really have any in- intention of doing any sort of ongoing uh, contribution. They say, this is really, this is what I have and this is all I have. Um, and I don't think I could really do much more on an ongoing basis. And they don't necessarily mind having, um, you know, kind of the, the MEC rules. They don't mind their policy being a MEC like we d- talked about in our last episode. Uh, then we would just typically recommend that single premium whole life policy. Uh, so we'd say they think this one's, you know, a great fit for you. Uh, this was described again in our last episode, but just kind of as a quick recap, it's a one-time only um, lump sum, one-time only premium, goes into the policy, going to grow guaranteed, um, grow guaranteed for the rest of your uh, for the rest of your life. Plain and simple, you know, no more risk, no more languishing in a bank savings account. Um, it's an incredibly just like simple way to do a number of things with your cash really well. Um, and we'll get into, you know, some of those things soon here as well. Um, the other design typically uh, that we're looking at and is preferred when a client has a lump sum but has a regular contribution that they'd like to continue to make in the future. So they might come to us with that lump sum and they say, hey, here's what I have now, but here's what I think I could continue doing. Um, and this is what I could continue saving on top of that moving forward. Uh, the benefit to doing that is the ability to build up even more wealth and compounding growth on your money um, than just the original lump sum, you're going to be doing even more. And in doing so, you know, we can attempt to keep the policy from becoming a mech as well, keeping some of those important tax advantages that we know um, we know and love <laughs> so mm-hmm. much. Um, and there's actually also, so I, we said two, but we lied. There's actually a third way uh, to put a lump sum into a whole life policy. And it's um, so incredible and it's so great. We're going to make you all wait until the next episode oh, till we Holly. share <laughs> more about that exactly what it is. With bated breath. I can't wait. That's, you know, just stringing us along. That's great. So um, before we get into how you could build or fund the vehicle, let's talk about why there might be good uses for dumping in lump sums into a bank on yourself policy. So we already mentioned we're going to get into three, uh, the three designs earlier, but let's talk about the three uses for that money first, those three life situations. So the first one is debt consolidation, a la the debt snowbank method. And uh, that's one of the strategies that we've talked about before. Episode 75 talks about that directly and even gets into some math there as well. Uh, so the, the numbers we walked through in that episode, instead of paying your debts off with cash, the old-fashioned way, sort of following the Dave Ramsey method, um, uh, the snowball method, you know, the individual we talked about on that episode paid off his relatively modest amount of debts using the debt snowbank method. That's the method that we typically prefer for folks. And even so, without spending any more money, he ends up with over $200,000 more at retirement using the snow bank method rather than Dave Ramsey's snowball method. All right. So more than just paying his debts off uh, the old fashioned way. So just by paying his debts off with the snow bank method, it's truly a remarkable strategy to help boost your retirement income and even provide some liquid cash while you're paying off your debts. I do believe that it deserves people's attention if they have debts to pay. So the benefits of the snow bank method includes basically transferring your debt from your creditors to your bank on yourself plan. And some of the benefits there are you're going to swap out some high interest compounding rates for simple interest, which is better, and low interest rates uh, on your policy loan. It's going to help you recapture interest 
into your policy that you'd otherwise be paying to banks, credit cards, finance companies, and never, literally never see that money uh, grow for you ever again. The money in your policy continues to grow as though you never touched a dime of it. If your policy is from one of the uh, handful of life insurance companies that we offer and uh, use that feature, uh, what we call non-direct recognition loans, uh, it can also help you pay back your loans on your own schedule rather than uh, being forced to pay back loans on the credit card schedule or the student loans com- uh, schedules, uh, which gives you some really cool flexibi- uh, flexibility. <laughs> if times get tough, you can reduce or even skip some loan repayments without having to worry about you know black marks on your credit report or collection calls or a goon squad showing up to repossess your stuff. I mean, this is just how it works with your, uh, uh, your policy when you are the banker. You get access to somewhere around 85 to 90% of your cash value as a loan whenever you need it within about three to five business days. So we talked some more about some specific strategies on how to pay off your debt using your bank on yourself policy. Go ahead and listen also to episode 33 and especially episode 75, where we really disclose this powerful strategy that we're again calling the debt snow bank method for paying off your debt. So even with all the benefits I just talked about, guys, it can still be really tempting if you have this big lump sum in your savings account to just simply cut a check and pay off all the debt. It's, it, it's totally a satisfying feeling. I totally get it. But, but be careful. It's sort of like a sugar high. After coming off a strict diet, it's, it's, it's sort of like you get this big lump sum. You just want something gone. You want to get that debt out of your life. And it just feels so good in the moment. But then there's this empty feeling in your savings account <laughs> that comes after, right? Uh, so all that money you had sent toward the banks or the credit card or finance companies is no longer earning anything for you. It's now earning money for them instead. So why not first take a minute, take a breath, you know, it feels great. Uh, put that money into a policy first and then send that money into the debt like a targeted missile strike to wipe out that debt. A few weeks of patience to put the money into the policy and then just three to five days to process a policy loan and you become better than debt free. And in fact, we've got a really cool story from someone, one of our clients, her name's Karen, that we'd love to introduce you to and exactly how she did the exact method we just described. So take it away, Karen. Hi, I'm Karen and my husband, Joe, is here too. We have had a lot of hard knocks in life that have kept us down financially. Back in like 2010, we lost our house to foreclosure, um, have four kids. I'm a teacher, um, so my salary does not cover all the bills. We moved into a rental house, lived there for six years, found it was covered in black mold, which caused my husband a disability. Um, And so we had to move out of that house and we had to leave everything behind. So it was kind of like having a fire, but we had to like give it up all emotionally and just leave it and move somewhere else. So there we were knocked down again, trying to pick up the pieces. And I'm sorry, I get emotional. (laughs) He hadn't been able to work for several years. We had tried applying for social security disability. We're denied a couple times we're just kind of treading water all the time. Kids would say, "Mm, you know, we're hungry. So it's like, okay, you got to buy groceries or pay for inventory. And that's, it's really hard as a parent to have that happen, but I wasn't going to give up. Heard Mark talk back in, I guess it was maybe Nashville, Thought 
hmm, yeah, this would be great, but I don't see it can work for us because we have no money. We can't save. We had massive debt, credit card debt. We're one of those, you know, of the many in the country. Didn't see any way out at all. And back around October of last year, we finally got Joe's hearing for Social Security. We found out that it finally got approved. We knew we were going to be having a chunk of money coming to us owed from his social security and the kids and all of that. It was really, it was hard to go through and lay out, okay, look, this is all the debt we have. It was like embarrassing and it was, it was, you know, felt very defeated, but he came up with a plan with the policy and we're debt free, but we're better than debt free, really. So we were, we did. We were able to pay off all that debt. We know it's going to be growing. We were able to buy a car that we could safely drive now. Life is better. I pushed the button on the last pay this bill and the tears just just flowed out. But life is good. And now we know that, you know, we're protecting our family in the future. And and Brandon, like part of our story, we said we just we didn't feel like we could dream anymore. And he didn't like that at all. But one day I was in the grocery store or something and I found this little notebook called dream big and that's where i keep all my notes when i've been talking to him so <laughs> we're dreaming again it just feels so much better so thank you <laughs> well and thank you karen so much for sharing with us and not only with us but also with our our listeners and everyone your story and your situation um so many you know people find themselves in a similar situation and so it's just so amazing that you can share uh, the hope that you found uh, with them and let them know that they they might have some some hope too. Yeah, and um, the Brandon Neely is the uh, advisor who worked with her. And so if folks want to learn more about what he helped Karen do, of course, all her numbers would remain confidential, of course. But if you'd like to talk to Brandon about that, go to uh, grandmaswealthwisdom.com. That's his podcast, grandmaswealthwisdom.com. And there's a little button there to reach out to Brandon. So way to go, Brandon. Yes, absolutely. So if that testimony alone isn't enough to give you guys... episode right there. Yeah, yeah, I'd give you guys um, a good enough uh, idea of how lump sums can be super helpful in in debt consolidation and getting debt paid off and and putting them into policies. Um, I don't know what will. So, um, but that's just the first of six situations. Yeah. Tell, us so, the, tell us the man, next one, right? Um, so what is what is another way we can pack away some money? Yeah. So, um, you know, first off is, is just using a lump sum to help with debt consolidation, you know, plain and simple. Um, another uh, situation, second situation here is just a better place for your safe money. Um, so, you know, here we have... Um, uh, you know, we were we were just talking to someone yesterday that had a large lump sum in a savings in a savings account, and he was just considering that his safe money. So he said, "Hey, I've got this money in savings account. This is my safe money, and I need it to be safe and there for me." Um, others might view their you know cash lump sums as rainy day money in a savings account, or money market accounts, or CDs, or even bonds um, that are currently paying interest rates so low it's it's really just insulting at mm-hmm. this point. Um, Whereas, in contrast, if you can move some of that safe money into a bank-on-yourself type policy, it can give you a number of different advantages. Um, again, all things our regular listeners will know. Um, you know, Guaranteed predictable growth that is many times multiples higher over um, the long term than what you know these conventional safe money vehicles would be able to pay you as far as growth and gains. Um, 
I mean, that, again, it's just insulting what they're willing to pay you mm-hmm. and what they will pay you. Um, tax deferred growth. So if you you know stop and think about it, every dollar that is in your savings account, uh, CD, money market account, savings bonds, all of that are being taxed each and every year, whether you use them or not, whether you take them out or not, you're paying taxes on whatever that insultingly low gain you got is. Um, not only are you, you know earning, again, that pathetically small interest rate in that uh, financial vehicle, but you're literally being penalized by the IRS for not spending it. Um, And that's because they're, again, taxable accounts. So um, these policies can provide you with the tax-deferred growth instead. Uh, Tax-free distributions. Um, As long as your policy is not a MEC or Modified Endowment Contract, like we talked about last episode, uh, you can access the money 100% tax-free under current tax law. Even if um, the policy is a modified endowment contract, the taxes are pennies to dollars that you're earning in in, um, growth in your account. So to kind of hear more about the tax implications of a MEC-type policy, listen to our previous episode, uh, 91. Um, Another advantage you're going to get is no market risk or losses. I mean, major reasons people find value in putting lump sums into these types of policies that they're just no longer having to be concerned about the volatility of the market and where their money is living. So it's going to be growing on a predicted schedule for the rest of their lives, and they're back in control, which is really um, the, the amazing thing here. So uh, we've had a lot of folks who receive an inheritance also in, in one form or another, and they you know had it put into the market. And Mark, I think you had mm, um, yeah. an individual you, you spoke to recently that kind of had a situation like yeah, that. Yeah, she was a widow. She had just lost her husband a few years ago. The money she received from his passing was put into the market, and money managers lost it. They lost half of it due to market volatility recently. She told me, these were her words, she said, it felt like I lost him all over again when she saw that her money had vaporized. That was a truly emotional moment for me, but it was more important that it was emotional for her. I mean, that was something she vowed never to let happen again with the rest of her uh, money she received from her husband. So she's putting it into a single premium whole life policy and will watch it grow for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, the fact that, again, you know, you're just completely eliminating that that risk and that volatility from uh, that that money um, mm-hmm. that would be, you know, otherwise your safe money is what people are like, considering these dollars. Um, also provide you with flexibility and control. You have access to, to the money with no government restrictions or penalties. Uh, you get income-free our income tax-free death benefit for your loved ones. That's going to pass on to them. No tax implications. And then, of course, your policy is guaranteed to grow by a larger dollar amount every single year you have it. So cool. Well, as we're looking at situation number three, I want to jump into this next and uh, cover some of this material. Because again, this is something I don't think we've ever really dived deep into. So I wanted to spend a few moments doing that. And that is creating an instant inheritance and protection from the expenses of long-term care. So that's the third and final one we'll look at today. So with a single premium life insurance policy, the cash put into the policy builds up quickly because that policy is fully funded, meaning no ongoing premiums. So we've talked about how that's a great fit for folks ages, ages 60 to 85. Uh, when they don't oftentimes have a big monthly cash flow to put into regular whole life premiums over the years. And they might even prefer that uh, some of the gains uh, uh, in the policy stay in there to leave for their loved ones. 
a major benefit of life insurance, even though we focus on the cash value in this podcast, is to create this estate. It's to create a big bucket of money that we can leave our survivors or leave something to our favorite charity or church or synagogue. The single premium whole life is a type of insurance uh, in which a, a lump sum of money is paid into the policy, and then it, the return or the death benefit is going to be greater, guaranteed, uh, when you pass away someday. So it instantly creates this inheritance that's greater than you've been able to save for your loved ones. So, for example, a 60-year-old uh, might have put 25 grand into a savings account for her children. And that's certainly awesome, and a final gift for a child is always a good thing to leave for them. But if she was to put that $25,000 into a single premium whole life policy, passed away, that would be $50,000 to her child uh, income tax-free. So cool. Similarly, a 50-year-old male, uh, 100 grand going into a single premium policy would be immediately a $400,000 death benefit. That's a 400% rate of return. Uh, that's 4xing that rate of return, and you're getting that golden harp out of the deal as well, right? <laughs> so uh, you got to come up with as funny, silly, corny jokes as possible when we're talking about this stuff. So I, I just leave that to you. Yeah, thanks, Holly. And I just it. sit here and <laughs> chuckle. Thank you. Well, it's the dad jokes that come out so easy So uh, right now. So, so while the death benefits of, of insurance policies provide you with this super efficient means of leaving money for your family or your charity or your dependents, another major reason my, why you might consider this type of policy is that we're all living longer. You know, our longer life, however, especially our final years, are not always going to be, you know, the rugged, independent that lifestyle that we wish we could have. You know, we're not going to be riding on the back of a horse in Wyoming somewhere. Usually our final years might need more dependency. We might need some help with long-term care, a long-term uh, lifestyle where we're cared for by others. That's going to be seven in 10 people. That's, that's including you and me uh, if you're listening to this podcast, especially if you're at age 65 or older. You're going to need long-term care in your lifetime, uh, in my lifetime. So that means the odds are better than 70% that mom and or dad uh, or you and your spouse are going to need a long, very expensive long-term care experience in your final years. But how much does it actually cost? So we've looked at long-term care costs ballooning over the last 15 to 20 years, and it's totally not slowing down anytime soon. You know, the medical care and attention that uh, our elderly need are only getting more expensive. A 65-year-old couple retiring now is going to need roughly $275,000 to cover that out-of-pocket health care cost uh, during retirement. That's according to a study by Fidelity. So that can range from $40,000 a year for someone to come to your home and be a home health aide to over $85,000 a year for a semi-private nursing home room, according to a Genworth study in 2017. If you prefer a private nursing home room, if you need to shut the door at the end of the day, you're going to have to cough up about a hundred grand a year, a hundred grand a year just to take care of mom or dad or grandma, or grandpa, or yourself. So between 2017 and 2018, assisted living facilities are going to increase at 6.6%, according to that study by Genworth. That's literally more than double the rate of inflation. So as you look out over your future, uh, do you have that money saved? Do you have $275,000 set aside? not for groceries and gas in retirement, but just for those long-term care expenses. So now we like to think that our money, like our 401ks, our IRAs, our savings accounts, are going to be left to our spouse when we pass away. And that is true. That is true if we pass away peacefully in our sleep. And while we would totally miss you if you died, life would have to continue relatively unchanged for our surviving spouse, you know. 
Our spouse is going to be the beneficiary on those accounts. We get to keep that money, and she or he gets to keep living, hopefully relatively unchanged. However, with 7 in 10 of us over age 65 needing to cover that long-term expense, here's what happens uh, if to your spouse if you have to go to a long-term care facility. Basically, she would get to keep one house, one car, a minimum monthly needs allowance of about $2,500 a month and about $125,000 in cash. Now, that's everything. Everything else must be given over to the long-term care facility to take care of you. So what was shaping up to be a, maybe a rosy retirement for your spouse is going to end up looking more like subsistence living while we wait for you to graduate on us and get on to better things. How does that feel? How does, that, does that seem fair for your surviving spouse? So there are effectively four ways to pay for this potential expense or problem. Yeah, so the first of those four ways is to what? Well, just save it. And so you can just straight save for this expense in your life, but you're going to have to save up roughly $275,000, as we mentioned, and exclusively budget that for each of your long-term care expenses, you know, for for you and your spouse. So you're going to have to have not only the diligence and the discipline to save that $275,000, but then not spend it on anything else and set it aside in in a side fund and say, hey, this is exactly what this is for. We do not touch it you know, no matter what. (laughs) Exactly. A second option would be to rely on your children to cough up those costs. Again, you know, those current costs might be $85,000 a year. Do your kids have that kind of cash lying around? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Uh, The third way is through just a traditional long-term care policy. There are long-term care insurance policies out there, and these are um, these type of policies, though, are really falling out of favor. They they were pretty popular there for a little while, and, and now they're kind of on a decline. Um, the sales of these pl- policies are just plummeting, and uh, the costs are rising, though, is what's happening and, and why people are no longer really super interested in, in them anymore, um, because they don't have a level premium. premium. They typically will raise your premium as you get older, hoping that you will cancel the policy before you ever need it. It's almost like they're you know playing the, the term insurance game. Um, The insurance company, they um, have had a hard time kind of predicting how much to charge these premiums based on how many, you know, statistically how many people are going to need long-term care, how much it's going to cost. And so they've just had a hard time kind of pinning down the actuarial science of these policies. And it's resulted in just it not being a super great vehicle. Um, traditional policies might cost anywhere between $200 and $400 a month. And that's just long-term care. I mean, this isn't covering anything else. This isn't serving any other purpose. It's not health insurance. It's yeah. not health insurance. It is literally just in case you need long-term care, you're paying $400 a month into that policy. Um, if you need the long-term care, great. You know, you would get whatever benefits or not so great. I mean, kind of yeah. hard, but you would at least get benefits and uh, you'd get the benefits of the policy and something would get paid out. But if you do end up just, you know, passing away peacefully in your sleep, you don't get anything. So that $400 a month, you may have been paying for X number of years, all of a sudden translate in, translates into a giant goose egg um, for you and your beneficiaries don't see a penny of that either. So very good. And then the fourth way to pay for these expenses is to do a hybrid using life insurance and using some sort of long-term care rider approach. In this scenario, if you pass away peacefully in your sleep, somebody's going to get the death benefit uh, from, from your policy. All that money that you put away uh, via the life insurance income tax-free death benefit, your family, your favorite charity. 
Whereas if you had sunk the money into a long-term care policy, like you mentioned, Holly, for 10, 20, 30 years, and then passed away peacefully in your sleep, the insurance company of the long-term care policy gets to keep everything you just gave them. So um, the single premium whole life policies give you a tax-free access to the death benefit to pay for those long-term care expenses. This feature can really help you uh, and uh, protect your other assets, for example, and your wife or your spouse's assets as well from potentially being overwhelmed by that cost of long-term care. The death benefit remaining in the policy will still pass to your heirs when you pass away income tax-free. And if you don't use any of it for long-term care, the money is just going to go to your your loved ones as you originally planned. So therefore, you know, we're looking at a single premium policy that allows you to cover that long-term care expense if required, but then leaves the maximum possible amount to your family, your dependents, your loved ones as, as we please. So I feel that this is one of the more efficient ways. It's long-term care 2.0, you might say. Uh, it even gives you the chance if you had a terminal illness to take a lump sum and, and uh, go on a, on a big bash or a big cruise or something like that, have a huge party, or to pay for a life-saving surgery as well. The main point is, you know, by reallocating where you keep your cash, those lump sums of cash, you're, you're uh, providing for your family. You're getting some biggest and best use of your dollars from the start to the finish. So you could use it to, again, to summarize, you can use it to pay off your debts. You can use it to save for your future or provide uh, a legacy uh, inside the whole life policy. I mean, it really does provide for, well, like, like we talk about, your whole life. Sorry for the pun there. Another dad joke. So, <laughs> so we're solving several financial concerns and goals for your whole life, right? With one financial vehicle. It's super remarkable to me how whole life insurance contracts can do what it would take basically eight to 12 different financial products just to even come close. You know, we'd need a savings account, a long-term care insurance policy, stocks and bond equities. You know, we'd need a Roth IRA, a living trust, all of that, plus tons more. And we're looking at something that's been around for 200 plus years in a contract that's been around over 200 years, right? And it still sounds very efficient, very sexy. It's all new all over again. So for many of our listeners, we hope this has been helpful for you guys. Reach out to us and uh, let's chat more to see if this is a good fit for you. Again, thank you for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast. Wait for part two. More is coming, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.